My name's Alan Pittman. If I've not had a chance to meet you yet, I know we've got some friends and family and guests that are here uh, specifically for the baptism. And maybe others of you, you're like, I didn't know there was a baptism today. I'm just here for the first time. We thank you for being here. There may even be some people online, although I heard they may not be worshiping online anymore because uh, last week I had my microphone on singing and it was on, and if you've ever heard me sing, it's not a pretty picture. And apparently online, it was like very clear that it was my voice. So uh, I apologize. We've shut down live streaming from here on out. No, I'm teasing. If you're worshiping online, we are so thankful uh, for the technology that allows this to happen. If you're not able to be here, or you're working, or you're sick, or you're traveling, or whatever. But if you're in town, and you're healthy, and you're able to be here, man, we would love for you to come and worship with us sometime here in the building. We are walking through the book of Acts together as a church family. Hopefully when you came in, you picked up a worship guide. Um, my mouth is not working well today, but hopefully it'll get through the sermon. Uh, when uh, you came in, hopefully you picked up a worship guide. There's a place to take notes along the way. Just a little side note, if you follow me, follow me. That's not what you do. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, you're aware that this week a, a dear friend of mine passed away. And... Um, uh, thank Jesus, thank you Jesus that I was able to get up there, hopped on a flight on Thursday afternoon and made it just in time to see my friend Steve. Um, he had cancer and uh, had been ill for a while and I got there at midnight. Thankfully he had just gotten sick. He was nauseous and had thrown up and, and I say thankfully uh, because if I had not had a time to talk to him at midnight, I would not have woken him up. If I had not had that time, I wouldn't have had a chance to see his eyes again because uh, uh, the next morning he was, um, he was out all day long and then passed away at 2 o'clock um, on Friday. And uh, so I was able to be there with him and his friends and his family. Um, I'll be going up uh, next week, not, not, this, not tomorrow, but the following Monday and Tuesday for funerals. So keep praying for my friend's family. Uh, he's a believer. He's with Jesus right now, but it's still hard to walk through that. And so my mind's a little scattered today. So just, I mean, you're like, Alan, your mind's always scattered, but it is for sure today. So uh, bear with me as we walk through the passage. Uh, hopefully you picked up a worship guide and on the back, like I said, you can take notes as we go along. And then uh, a Bible. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and turn uh, to Acts chapter 14. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. Grab that. It should be black hard copy and you can take that home with you if you don't own one or need one at the house. Um, one thing I want to mention real quick, we, we have a lot going on in our church family and we forgot one thing uh, to put in the video, so I wanted to draw attention to it. Uh, we on Wednesday as a church family will be serving some food at the Aggie BSM, Baptist Student Ministry. And we are still in the need of three or four more people that could come and help and serve that. I don't have the specific time right in front of me, but it's around the noon o'clock hour at, on campus uh, or just off of campus. If you're interested in serving, you can do three things. One, you can get on the Hope and you can read details. Or you can contact Callie um, and she can tell you about it. If you're like, I don't even know who Callie is, that's okay. You can call the church office uh, on Monday morning and Diana, my administrative assistant, can help you with that. But we still need three or four people to help out with that. And then because there is a lot going on in our church, the best way to know what's going on is go to the Hope. It's found at lhbc.net backslash the Hope. And then also starting this week, we are including the video announcement every week. We're going to update it every week. And it's at the bottom of the website, and it says weekly announcements. It's not a written weekly announcement. It's actually the video. So if you ever want to watch that video again during the course of the week, it's always going to be there and updated each week. All right. 
We didn't come to talk about announcements, but those are a part of the ministry of our church, and I wanted you to know about it. I wanted to go ahead and start with the map on the screen to show you where we are in the whole um, uh, story of the, the book of Acts. And so on the map, we're going to see where the mission, missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas are on. They started over here at Antioch in Syria. I want you all to keep in mind this is an important town we'll talk about it in a moment. They came down here. Last week, we were up in Antioch and Pisidia. And then this week, we're going to be over in Iconium. And then next week, we're going to be Lystra and Derby. Just leave the map on the screen for a second. These town names have changed since then. But the basic area of the earthquake, so that you'll know, epicenter was like 15 miles maybe from Antioch. So where you see Antioch, which is the sending church for that missionary journey, is where the basic epicenter was. The feeling of that first earthquake came all the way to halfway through the island of Cyprus, up to somewhere around that H and Y of Pamphylia, up towards Lystra, includes, includes Derby. So we're in the region of the world where that uh, earthquake took place, okay? Just wanted y'all to kind of have your bearings of the biblical account as well as kind of uh, the earthquake region. So we see in this story that we're in Iconium, which is about 90 miles uh, southeast of Antioch and Pisidia, which is where we were last week. And then next week we'll be in Lystra and Derby. Let's look at Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. When it says the word day, it's primarily talking about Paul and Barnabas and also any of the companions they may have had with them. Now at Iconium, which is a town that we saw on the map, now at Iconium, they, Paul and Barnabas, entered together into the Jewish synagogue and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them, and actually the word could be abuse, to mistreat or abuse them and to stone them, in other words, to pick up stones and kill them, when that plot happened, verse 6, Paul and Barnabas learned of it. They fled the Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia, I never can say that right, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. That last phrase, continued to preach the gospel, you'll see the title of this message is, continue to preach the gospel. I want to walk through the passage I want us to see what took place in the historical account there in Iconium. And then I want us to see how does that apply to us today. So let's look a little bit verse by verse. In verse 1, you'll see in the ESV the word together. It says they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. As you know, oftentimes a, a word can mean more than one thing, right? And so in Greek, at times, even though Greek in some ways is more specific than English, at times there can be kind of multiple ways to understand a phrase. And so depending on your translation, it may have a different word. The, the reality is, yes, they were together, but the reality is the Greek seems to indicate the phrase in the same manner or the same way. And so when it says they entered into the, 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 the synagogue together, it's actually carrying with it this idea, it's their usual pattern. 
just like they did in the last chapter. If you remember in chapter 13, it says when they showed up, they walked into the Jewish synagogue. This is their rhythm. This is the method. This is the approach they have been using all along. And we see that they enter into the synagogue first. Whenever Paul shows up in a city, he typically does that. A synagogue would be made up. They had to have at least 10 Jewish men in the city or the village to constitute a synagogue. And so if there's a city that has at least 10 Jewish men, they'd have a synagogue, and Paul typically would preach there first. And then we see in verse 1 that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believe because preaching of the gospel is effective. Faith comes by hearing, and they would preach the gospel, and in this city, it says a great number of both Jews and Greeks trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Guys, the same thing applies to us. As you and I proclaim, you may not be a preacher, but we're all called, if you're a follower of Jesus, to proclaim the gospel. And when we proclaim the gospel, the gospel is effective and people will respond, whether it's a minimal response or a great response, the gospel is effective. The Lord brings the harvest. We do not. And and he should be trusted in that process. Look at verse 2. In verse 2, we see that some Jews stirred up opposition. It says that they caused some of the other people to be hostile towards them. In the ESV, it says that they poisoned the minds against the brothers. You're like, okay, did they pull out some some kind of poison? No, the the idea of poisoning their mind means that, that they are causing them to think less of someone, to be bitter towards someone, to be hostile towards someone. They're causing them to begin to question what Paul and Barnabas are saying. They're stirring up opposition. It's very clear in verse 2 that that's what's taking place. But then we look at verse 3, and we see this opposition that is uh, like purposeful. That that opposition does not stop them. In verse 3, it says that they poison the mind. So the result of that is Paul and Barnabas remained for a long time. We don't know how long, but they stayed there for quite some time. Preaching the gospel did not stop because of any opposition. They stayed for a long time, and they boldly, it says, says they boldly spoke about the word of God's grace. We are called as believers of Jesus to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. We are to boldly point others towards the hope that's found in Jesus and to his grace. That's what's going on in verse 3. Then look uh, down in uh, in the rest of verse 3, and we see that because they were faithful to preach the gospel, it says that God himself bore witness. He testified that what they were saying is true, and the way he indicated that that was the case is that he granted them signs and wonders. You're like, what is signs and wonders? Signs and wonders are miracles and unbelievable things and we see this phrase used in the gospel specifically in the gospel of john and when we see the phrase signs and wonders it's not just a miracle for miracle's sake it's not just some magic show rather it's a sign that's done purposefully to point to jesus not to the act itself and so they're preaching the gospel they're not being stopped because of opposition and god is honoring that look at verse four In verse 4, it says the city was divided. In the Greek, it's actually the word schism. 
There's a schism in the, in the city. We kind of know about division, right? Like if you start talking about politics, there's a division that will take place in our nation, right? And so in this scenario, there's a division along the lines of, if I, am I going to believe what the apostles are saying or am I going to listen to these that are trying to deflect the attention away from the gospel? Then in verse 5, we see something quite interesting. In verse 5, it says, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews to mistreat or abuse them or to stone them, what's the interesting thing? You're like, oh, yeah, it's interesting. They want to pick up a rock and throw it at them and kill them. That's interesting and scary. But the interesting thing I'm talking about, it says that the Jews and the Gentiles worked together. The Jews and the Gentiles normally avoided one another. But in this scenario, they had a common enemy. The gospel is offensive. They don't want to hear it. And so they come to attack the, 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 the apostles to try to stop what God is doing. What we see in this is that opposition, when we preach the gospel, opposition will happen. Probably you won't be stoned in the United States of America, but, but opposition will arise. I wanted to think for just a minute, what kind of opposition might we face? There could be blatant opposition and that blatant opposition could be someone that's doing it in a very extreme way forceful way like this where they're trying to convince others to not listen to you or it could just be a mild opposition like no thank you I have no time for that so there can be blatant opposition but other opposition we can face can be more subtle and, and let me explain what I mean by that the opposition that will happen towards the gospel in, in a subtle way is our schedules our schedules are too busy to share the gospel. The demands of us in our life, the expectations, kind of the cultural norms. And it can be more subtle, but always there will be opposition that either boldly prevents you or tries to prevent you from preaching the gospel, and other times it just kind of causes us to sit on the bench instead of telling others. All right, so let's look at, at verse 6. We see that they fled to Lystra, which is about 20 miles away. It says that they go to Derby, which is 35 more miles away. So they're trying to get out of Dodge. But the key is verse 7. In the midst of it all, they continued to preach the gospel. They were not cowards. They didn't run and stop teaching about Jesus. Rather, they stayed safe and alive so they could continue to do what God had called them to do. So Paul faced this opposition, yet he continued to preach the gospel. The way they were able to do that is because the Holy Spirit empowered them. Whenever we face opposition in our lives, we have to trust in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to boldly share the gospel. I want to share a story of modern-day opposition and persecution. For those of you that know the family I'm about to mention, I actually have permission to use a word. My friend told me to use the word, get wild and use the word Indonesia, so I just threw it out, all right? So the thing I'm telling about, and you're, those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, ask me afterwards. I can't say names, but we have a friend in Indonesia that's connected with us, and this friend is sharing the gospel and working with the Indonesian people so they can do the same thing. I'm going to use initials for some people, all right? So let me read to you about modern-day opposition. This is a true story of a man that we're going to call Mr. M. Our friends in Indonesia have been working with Mr. M, and Mr. M is seeking to share the gospel with his people. Mr. M has been working on remote islands. If you know much about Indonesia, there's like a million islands over there. I'm over-exaggerating, but there's a lot of islands. 
He's been working on a remote island, or actually plural islands, and he's working with unengaged, unreached people groups that don't have the gospel. And as Mr. M began working there, he shared the gospel with two of the men. Those two men believed. Those two men were baptized. And those two men are seeking to follow Jesus, and, and Mr. M was discipling them. But when those families found out, those families reported them to the mosque. So men from the mosque started calling Mr. M and threatening him. These men from the mosque hopped on a boat. They were determined. They took a three-hour boat ride to the island where Mr. M lives. They came to his house, and they waited on him. Eventually, they quit coming around. But another friend told Mr. M, he advised Mr. M, to never come back to that island because the plan was those men were going to poison Mr. M and then throw his body into the ocean. Another account of Mr. M is he shared the gospel with Z. Z believed and was baptized. Z's aunt found a Bible that Mr. M had given to Z. So the aunt then took that Bible to his family and to the mosque. Leaders from the mosque came and began to question Z, but he wouldn't tell them about Mr. M. Somewhere along the line, Mr. M had to change his phone number. I can imagine why. And he lost contact with Z. But listen to how God works. A few weeks later, Z spotted Mr. M in a local park, and he asked, can we start meeting to be discipled again? Mr. M agreed, and he's been taking Z now, and now Z is going out to share the gospel with other Muslims on nearby islands. Z is bold to share and has moved from his family to follow Jesus. So here we see where opposition took place, and here we see a man who didn't stop preaching the gospel, but he had to move from point A to point B to continue to preach the gospel. So I'm going to ask us, church family, to pray for them, and we're literally going to pray in just a second. One thing you need to know is that Living Hope out, directly out of our money, we helped Mr. M, it's been maybe 18 months ago, but we helped Mr. M by buying him a motorcycle so he can do the work on the islands, and we also helped with some of his housing expenses as a church family. So I want us to pray right now for Mr. M. Mr. M's wife, R, and their family, that they would continue to boldly preach the gospel and that God would protect them along the way. And then I also want us to pray for Z, that Z would remain firm in the faith. Let's pray. Father, we read stories like Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts, and if we're not careful, we can say, well, that could never happen to us, and perhaps it may not here in the United States. I, I don't know whether it will or not, but what sometimes we, 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 we almost like, we know it's a true story, but it's almost like it, it's, it's, it's not real. We don't, we don't feel it. We don't really understand it, but God, I know that as I, as I reached out to our friend and he sent me this story of what took place. I began to picture what it must be like in current days right now to love you so much and desire to see others come to faith in you that we're willing to put our lives on the line. Father, I pray that you'd be with Mr. M. I pray that you'd be with R. I pray that you'd be with their kids. I pray that you would keep them safe, that they would not be poisoned, that they would not be thrown into the ocean but that they would stay faithful to preach the gospel even in the hard times. Father, I pray for Z, that his 
discipleship process would lead him to tell others in his nation of the love of Christ and many others would come to faith as well. Thank you for how our church family has been able to partner with them. And may you continue to lead us to do that very thing. All for your glory and your honor. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. As I prayed in my prayer, most of us are probably never going to be stoned if we live in the United States. We may, I don't know, but we probably won't be. Hopefully, we'll never be threatened with being poisoned and thrown into the ocean because of our faith. So the two stories, the true story that happened in Scripture that I read to us, the true story that happened over in Indonesia that I read about, how does that apply to us? What, what do we do with these things? We, we still can learn something from this passage, and that's where your notes are. You're like, Alan, you've been talking a long time. I, I know that, but these are quick points that are on your sermon outline. Let's look at them together. The first thing is I want to encourage you to find a way to faithfully share the gospel. What does it mean to faithfully share the gospel? Faithfulness equals sharing the gospel. Faithfulness does not mean X number of people get saved. Faithfulness is in the act of proclaiming the gospel. The way you know that you're successful with the gospel is if you're seeking to live it out in such a way that you're proclaiming it to others and you're trusting God to do his work. He's the one that brings the harvest. We do not, but we're called to be faithful Faithfulness is sharing, not who responds, not how many respond, not if anyone responds, but just telling the gospel. Trust God with the harvest. That's his work. That's his responsibility, not ours. I want to encourage us to find a method. Find a method or a rhythm or an approach or a pattern to share the gospel. Paul had a pattern that he used, and his pattern was, I'm going to find the Jewish community. If there's a synagogue, I'm going to go there. Typically, it involved him preaching straight from the Old Testament, pointing to the Messiah. And then when they didn't receive it, or whenever he finished there, he would go to the Gentiles, and then he would connect with them. Find a rhythm, find a pattern, begin to share the gospel. The rhythm, the pattern, the approach, the method is not the thing. The gospel is, but it does allow us to package it and remember it and share it and be more faithful in sharing it. I want to encourage you to write something down. I don't think I got it in the notes to be on the screen. A website. Here's the website. I would encourage you to write it down. It's nam.net, spelled N. A-M-B. It's like lamb, except for an N on the front. N-A-M-B dot net backslash evangelism. That stands for North American Mission Board. North American Mission Board is one of the agencies that we cooperate with to give money towards doing the gospel. Um, and so we want to use, uh, we want to use that uh, website to find some information of how to share the gospel. There's all kinds of methods that are listed there. There's one that I want to show you now, and that is three circles. I want to show you the three circles. There's going to be a chart on the, the screen that will kind of walk us through um, all of these. If you can't see this word that says sin, down here says repent and believe, and right here says recover and pursue. The other three you probably can read, God's design, brokenness, and gospel. Let's leave this on the screen. Some people use this method to share the gospel. And you, the, the cool thing with this method is you don't have to start at any one of the circles. You can start at any of the circles. But I will walk through kind of uh, with God's design first and walk us through this. And you can have a, a napkin and you can have a pen and you can write this down. You can kind of picture it with people and, and share biblical truth of the gospel and what the gospel is all about. And, and this is not the way to share the gospel, but it is a way. And so we start with God's design. 
And you can talk to someone and talk to them about how God has designed us in a certain way. He cares about every single aspect of our lives. He cares about our personal life. He cares about our family. He cares about the choices that we make. And when we follow God's design, life doesn't go perfect, but we are in his blessing because we are doing as he leads us in our life. But there's a problem, and you see that word sin that's there on that little ark. The problem is that we have sin, and we choose to not go by God's design. And whenever we don't go by God's design, then when we sin, it leads to brokenness. And brokenness can be experienced in lots of different ways. I, I saw the brokenness of a residual effect of sin when I stood there with my friend Steve as he died. He didn't die because of his sin, but it is brokenness does exist because of sin that's in the world. And we experience brokenness because we go to lots of different things to try to find answers. Because of our sin, we experience emptiness. We experience guilt. We experience rejection. We experience shame and regret. So we try to fix that. And you see those arrows that are coming out of brokenness? It's an attempt to escape or run from or fix the brokenness that we're experiencing. When life doesn't go well because of the sin in our life, if we're not careful, we begin to try to fix it ourselves or run from it. And so there's lots of things in our brokenness that we might do. In our brokenness, we might try to turn to a relationship to fix it. We might try to turn to money to fix it. We might try to turn to religion to fix it. We might turn to self-help. There's lots of different things that we may do to try to fix the brokenness that's there because of the sin that's in our life. But then when you work your way on around the circle, we see the answer is the gospel story, the good news. And what we see is that when we're broken, we need an answer, and the answer means a change in our life, and it's not a change we can do on our own, but it's a change because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. So that brings us to the gospel, and the gospel good news is that our brokenness can be resolved and fixed, not because of anything we do, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. That Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived a life on this earth and was free from sin, never sinned, and yet he willingly took the punishment of our sins on himself. When he died on the cross, he took our shame, our penalty, he died in our place. If we would place our faith and our trust in Jesus for his death, burial, and resurrection, because he did not die and stay in the tomb, he died and three days later he overcame sin and death. And because of that, if we will repent and believe, repent of our sin, repent of our brokenness, and believe in Jesus as our Savior, then we can experience salvation. So that brings us then headed back towards God's design so that we can begin to, uh, as it says, recover and pursue God's design in our lives. Now, you can take something like that or a multitude of other approaches and briefly share the gospel with someone. Obviously, you would want to open your scripture and turn to some verses and share with them. But if you go to that nam.com, I believe that's what I said, nam.net, sorry, nam.net backslash evangelism, three circles as well as some other approaches are listed in there that you can use. I encourage all of us to find a way to faithfully share the gospel. Another point that's there on your sermon notes is that we need to properly respond to opposition. Yes, we should faithfully proclaim the gospel, 
but we'll face opposition. And when we face opposition, we need to properly respond. Perhaps in the text, you notice two different times they face opposition. Look at the text again, Acts chapter 14, verse 2 and verse 5. Both of those verses talk about opposition that they face, and yet there's different responses. In verse 2, after that, in verse 3, it says that they stayed there. They preached boldly. They performed signs and wonders. But then when opposition came again in verse 5, it says in verse 6 that they left. So what is the difference? Why did they stay one time? Why did they leave another time? Are they acting in different ways? No, the reality is this. All along the way, they're being bold, but they're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They had to listen to God, whether it was a time to talk or to shut up. They had to learn from God if it was a time to keep pressing in boldly or to leave and go to another place. You see, they were brave. They weren't foolish. So when they found out that they were going to be stoned, they departed. It was kind of this idea of of living to preach another day. And so when Paul responded in different ways, sometimes he would stand boldly and preach. Sometimes he was always bold in preaching. But sometimes he would stand in place and boldly and preach. Sometimes he would step back and go to another city. Last week we saw that he shook the dust off his feet and went to a new place. All of these, he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When opposition comes, let's trust that God will give us the words to share. But in the midst of it all, we must continue to preach the gospel. Now, I do want to do a little aside real quick. I'm talking about preaching the gospel, that we'll face opposition when we preach the gospel. I'm saying let's continue to preach the gospel. You're going, okay, Alan, but I'm struggling in my life just to follow Jesus. Like, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm experiencing opposition. I I don't know what to do. I've got sin in my life that kind of keeps me from following him. The idea is that we have to respond to any opposition, whether preaching the gospel or living for Jesus, by allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work in our life and trust him. That brings us to the next point. This says, realize that you need to be empowered by God. The only way that we can preach the gospel, the only way we can live for Jesus, the only way we can respond to opposition is by being empowered by God himself. We can't do it on ourselves, by ourselves. Look down in verse 3. It says that they were facing this opposition. Some people were poisoning the minds against the brothers. And so what did they do in verse 3? It says they remained for a long time. And it says speaking boldly for the Lord. Again, sometimes when you take like a preposition, it can mean a few different things. And so in the ESV, it says that they were speaking boldly for the Lord. But the reality is perhaps... And some translations use this, like the NASB uses this. The word for should be translated with reliance upon. So in this case, instead of just simply saying they're preaching boldly for the Lord, it, it might actually be better to say they're speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. The only way that they're preaching for the Lord is by relying on him. The only way they're preaching boldly for the Lord is by realizing that they're doing it in his power, not their own. Which goes with what the rest of verse 3 says. It says, the Lord bore witness to what they were saying, and the Lord gave them or granted them signs and wonders that they were doing. In other words, the Lord proved their message was true by giving them great power to continue to preach the gospel. With us, it's the same way. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to live for God and to continue to preach the gospel. It's not our own work. You see, when we face opposition, we can't continue to preach the gospel on our own. We can't do it. We can't even preach the gospel when time is good on our own, right? So whether the times are good or bad or anything in between, to preach the gospel, we must rely on the Holy Spirit. Any time in life to follow Jesus and to serve him and to love one another well and to, to, to do the right things and to be obedient to God's word, we can't do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit at work within us. You see, the gospel says we are saved by the free grace of God. We don't work for our salvation. But the gospel also says we don't have to do anything to maintain God's love for us, but rather it's God's grace that keeps us in right standing with him as we seek to live for him by his power and his strength. So realize that we need to be empowered by God. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's the the thrust or the theme of the whole book of Acts. Perhaps you remember it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and he's talking to his followers. He says, guys, I'm about to send the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says in Acts 1. He says, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And once you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. It is our job, our task, our mission to preach the gospel, but we cannot do it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. You see, it's God's job to to prepare us and to lead us in the proclamation of the gospel. The whole theme of this whole passage, verses 1 through 7, I, I mentioned the title a moment ago, and it's been on the screen a couple times, and that is kind of the bottom line, which is on your sermon notes, that we are to continue to preach the gospel. So we see that we're to find a way to faithfully share the gospel. We need to realize that opposition is going to come and to properly respond to that by trusting in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And all along the way, we must continue to preach the gospel. While Paul and Barnabas did change their locations, they went from town to town. It even says they fled one city to go to another. While Paul and Barnabas may at times have changed their method of what they were doing. While Paul and Barnabas may have at times been preaching to a different audience than they did before, never along the way did Paul and Barnabas stop preaching the gospel. They were bold to share the gospel. They never took what man said. They took what the Holy Spirit said. In fact, later on, as we walk through a later passage of Scripture, we'll see that Paul thinks he should go to location A, and the Holy Spirit says, nope, that's not where you're supposed to go. You're supposed to go to location B. So the Holy Spirit is the one who always leads us. We need to be in tune with what he's saying so that we can continue to preach the gospel. You and I must continue to proclaim the gospel at all times and in all places. My days of the week are all messed up. I left um, College Station and landed in College Station in about a 36-hour period. I ate one meal and slept two or three hours, and I was there at the bedside of my friend as he died. And So my, my, my mind's a little bit confused. But Friday, when he passed away, I was able to share the gospel. And I look at my dear friends over here. The last time I was with the family... Scott and Bill was with y'all. 
And much like that day as we celebrated, as Weta crossed that line from earth to heaven and was in the presence of God, it was that kind of environment that day where there's tears, there's sadness, there's confusion, and yet we had confidence that our loved one was in a better place in the presence of the Lord. And, and similar to some things that we experienced that day with Miss Weta, she passed away. As Steve was passing away, I, I stepped up and read from Psalm 46, which was a special passage for my friend Steve. And as we read it, we were reminded, and I know I'm in the Old Testament with this, but we're reminded of the gospel that, that the Lord is our hope. That, that, that our confidence in anything else is void. The Lord is our hope. And to say that we must continue to preach the gospel does not just mean preach it to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. Yes. It also means preach the gospel to one another because we need to be reminded of the gospel. And so whenever we're mourning the loss of a loved one, whenever we're confused because someone is sick, whenever we don't understand why life is so difficult, whenever that relationship issue hits, whenever turmoil hits our house, when it all hits the proverbial fan, whatever may be going on, we need to be reminded of the gospel that God is for us, he is with us, he loves us, he judges sin, yes, but if we place our faith and our trust in him, we can rest assured in his grace. Continue to preach the gospel at all times, in all places, in all situations. I'm reminded, I'm going to show my age here, maybe some of you don't remember it, I'm gonna go over here. I know Nathan probably remembers it. You remember the little, you remember the little bunny rabbit with, uh, with the, with the, you don't, yes, you do, with the drums, and he's beating on the drums. He's the Energizer Bunny. You remember that? Keeps going and going and going and going. The idea that the battery is just keeps going. When I read this text, we're supposed to keep preaching and keep preaching and keep preaching and keep preaching. That involves evangelism, that involves sanctification and discipleship. Preach the gospel. Proclaim it from the rooftops. Never stop preaching the gospel. Keep on keeping on. Okay, I don't know who all is going to see this video, so I'm, just, I'm still going to say it because it's on my heart. My friend Steve ha has a family member that it was, um, there was some tough stuff in past years, okay? And so I reached out after his death on Facebook Messenger to this individual. And when I did, I shared some things that would be gospel-centered, and she replied with, yes, Alan. Before today, I was listening to the lies but I've been reminded that our God is a restoring, redemptive, good God. And she had to hear the gospel again that she knew well, but she needed someone to remind her of that gospel. We have people, so if you, my friend who I'm talking about, I hope I didn't overstep my boundaries. That's why I didn't say any of the other details. But the idea is that in any circumstances we're in, we must share the gospel. We need to be reminded of its truth. When I look at this, that we need to properly respond to opposition, the truth of the matter is most of us in this room, in this country, will not really face 
the biggest obstacle in life to the gospel externally. Usually the biggest obstacle or opposition we will face is inwardly. And that is our schedule, our busyness, our feeling like we don't know enough information, our time, our priorities, our sin struggles. All of these things will prevent us from sharing the gospel. We must trust in Jesus and his gospel to do its work in our lives so that we can continue to preach the gospel. So I got three primary questions for you to ask. I'll, name, I'll label them one, two, three, because in each question I actually have more than one question, so please forgive me. But the first question is this, is your life broken? That circle of brokenness, is, does that define your life? Is your life broken? I'm still only on question one, okay? Are you, is your life broken? Is your life broken because you're living in sin? Is your life broken because you need to repent of your sin and believe in the gospel? If your life is broken, I'm asking you, would you consider the gospel to trust in Jesus and him alone for salvation? And I'm not talking about a, my life is better and it's a walk in the park. Brokenness in life is not about externals getting better. Brokenness in life is the sin that is rupturing our life to its core. And I am going to live a broken, fallen life apart from the holy, perfect God, short of trusting in the gospel. Would you trust in Jesus for salvation? Those of you that are already Christians, are you living in brokenness because you're living, doing your own thing, and you're involved in sin, and you need to repent of that sin? Is your life broken? The gospel is the answer. The second question, do you have a pattern to share the gospel? Do you have a pattern of sharing the gospel? If not, how might the Lord be leading you to make a change in that regard? And then the third question, what's keeping you from preaching the gospel? Could be opposition, could be business, feel like you don't know enough, could be a life of sin, could be idols in your life. What's God calling you to do with this text? I do know this, he's calling you to respond to the gospel and he's calling you to preach the gospel. And you need to hear what might be preventing you from doing those things and say yes to him. I'm going to lead us in prayer. After the prayer, we're going to have a couple of response songs. The first response song, we're not going to pass the offering plates. That'll be in the second one. If you didn't come prepared to give, that's cool. Just pass it when you get it and pass it on down the road. You can put your giving in there. You can put your connection card in there. You can just pass the plate. But this first song is entirely for us to respond by praying at our seats, singing, worshiping, praying at the altar, coming to visit with me, letting the Lord do his work in our lives. You can do that in the second song as well, but really focus. I encourage you, if you've got to go to the bathroom, wait a song. Don't get up and go out the door. Let's stay in here. Let's worship, and let's hear the Lord. Let's respond as he leads. And then in that second song, we'll respond. There goes Clark. We'll respond. It's all good, brother. Um, let's respond. I don't normally call a name out, sorry. The second, uh, and I know he had a legitimate thing to do. Uh, the second song, though, um, a, a form of response is giving financially and turning in a connection card as well. Let me leave some prayer.